What's good, everyone? Welcome to this edition of the Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Friday as we head towards another weekend as we got a lot to talk about. We got some football to preview with college football week number nine, the last week before we get our first college football playoff rankings. We'll see what's going to happen this week, talk about all the games going on. Then we'll head to the NFL, talk about what's going on in week number eight couple of things to keep an eye on, particularly with the 49ers. Is Brock Purdy going to play against the Bengals? We'll see. And we'll start off at the top here with some MLB baseball. And also, a little bit later on in the show, me and Charles are finally going to get together. We know we're a couple days late in game one into game 82 of the NBA season, but we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about some hoops and get y'all ready for this upcoming season. So that's going to be a little bit later on but uh yeah let's get right on to it and let's talk some baseball and diamondbacks rangers first time in a while that these two teams have been in the world series for the diamondbacks it's been since the early 2000s for the rangers probably bringing up some ptsd for them but that in the cardinals world series last time the cardinals won that one so uh <laughs> sorry if you're a rangers fan Uh, Or if you're a Rangers fan just popping in, or if you're just one, if you're one that's been keeping up with the pod since day one, uh, sorry about that. You know, we love sports PTSD over here. You know, Peter with Penn State, uh, me with Tennessee. So uh, we we love it over here. But that it's been a while since these teams have appeared in the World Series, and Rangers closing the door on the Astros, on the defending champs. And getting back there, and the Diamondbacks coming back, winning two games to beat the Phillies and clinch their spot in the World Series. And I think we talked about this early on during the playoffs, but I, I remember Matt mentioning the Diamondbacks and talking about them as being a team to watch this year. I don't know if you know if Matt read the script for the MLB season or not. But uh, I'll tell you what, he, he knocked one out the park right there with the Diamondbacks, and uh, here they are in the World Series, and they're facing against a they're going against a Rangers team that is really loaded in that lineup. Uh, Aroldis Garcia, who I've seen on Twitter, the I believe it was the designated for assignment Cardinals tweet from way back when, and you know it seems like there's so many of these nowadays, but the Cardinals, you know. It, with uh, Zach Gallon, who's on this Diamondbacks team, uh, Sandy Alcantara with the Marlins, and you got Aroldis Garcia now. It just seems like it's a new name, it feels like, every so often. But he's been really good. He had a monster Game 7 against the Astros, and we're just going off on him. But here we are, Rangers and Diamondbacks, and kind of talking through it right now, Jordan Montgomery, Nathan Valdi, the pitching staff, and that pitching staff for the Rangers has been solid, especially those two. Scherzer, I mean, sure, he isn't the guy that we've come to expect over the last decade plus, but solid number three. You also got a couple other guys like Dane Dunning, he and, and uh, I'm blanking on the other dude's name, but uh, you got some guys there. The bullpen is is all right, but you know how it is with MLB postseason. You get the bullpen. You, 
the methods with that have been kind of interesting to watch over the last several years. But you got the Rangers, and then you got this lineup here that is, again, really amazing. I mean, you got Seager, who is really awesome. Jonah Heim, really good catcher for the Rangers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And you got him, and then, of course, you got Garcia as well. You got a young guy in Evan Carter, Tavares in the outfield, uh, Nathan Nathaniel Lowe. I I know there's probably other names. Probably the reason I know some of these names is because of me playing MLB The Show a lot. So (laughs) there's that. But they got a lot of guys in this lineup, particularly uh, Garcia and Seager are probably the two to watch in this lineup that can take your yard in a hurry. And then the Diamondbacks, the young kids. Uh, sure, they got some veterans on this squad. And uh, and Gallon, who is a true ace. You got Merrill Kelly here as well. but And you got Cattell Marte, who is a really stating presence in that lineup, a stating veteran that I think a team that has a lot of these young guys could need. But, I mean, you look at how the Diamondbacks have played. You know, they have all this young talent, and they haven't been in the league young. But, you know, they don't feel the pressure. They just go out there and play baseball. They just go out, do their thing, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. So there's kind of like not a whole lot of pressure, I don't think, with the Diamondbacks right there. I mean, and young guys led by Moreno, Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, you got a stud first baseman and Christian Walker. And honestly, looking at this series, I think it really is like you can just put these two teams on a dartboard and you can throw it at at the dartboard and just like whichever one it lands on, it's fine. Really is kind of a crapshoot, I think. Um, will the Rangers big, deep lineup led by Garcia and Seager, the two big bats? Will they be the the guys that really help the Rangers get over the hump? And can Montgomery and Evaldi, can they continue their excellent postseason? Uh, we'll have to see. But you know what? I think for the sake of Matt's pick and for him calling it out, and he, he told us all when we were doing MLB previews to keep an eye on the Diamondbacks. And again, probably not World Series, you know, keep an eye on them. But I'm going to roll with the Diamondbacks here. I think it takes a lot of special stuff, you know, with how they came back against the Phillies and won those last two games. They've had a couple blowouts, but they've won a couple of these close games. And for a team that has some young guys like them, that's really eye-opening. So... I think I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. I think this one is going to, it's going to go six or seven. I don't think it's going to be an easy series by any means. Uh, so none of the, you know, sweep talk or five games. I think it's going to go six or seven. And I think the Diamondbacks, they're going to win it. And, you know, you got all these young guys on the team and you got some more coming here pretty soon. You got to feel pretty good if you're a Diamondbacks fan, even if you don't win it you got to feel pretty good about where you are. And if you're a Rangers fan, I mean, I saw a tweet the other day, and I kind of forgot about this, but they had a top five pick in this past draft, and they selected a really legit college hitter in Wyatt Langford from Florida. 
and he, he looks like he, he might be a stud in the outfield. So, I mean, the Rangers here in the World Series and getting a top five pick and just keep on loading up that form system. So, even if we're here's some silver lining if whoever loses, Rangers, Diamondbacks, there's some silver lining there. And you can say, hey, we made this is good, going to be a good building block. I mean, of course, you want to win it, but only one can win. And I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. So moving on from baseball, let's talk some football and let's head on over to college football week number nine. And let's talk about some of these games going on. And we'll get to the big ones a little bit later. But let's get to some of the other ones. We're probably not going to spend too much time on. Uh, Let's start off with Mississippi State and Auburn, the only game that has no ranked team that we're picking this week. uh, Take a look at the games. It's the only game in which it's like Mississippi State, Auburn, both unranked. So that's going to be the only game that's essentially that. I mean, of course, Auburn coming off of last week against the loss of the Ole Miss. You want to bounce back, figure out what your quarterback situation is. Is it going to be Thorne or is it going to be Ashford? And for Mississippi State, you hope you get Will Rogers back this week, even though you only seven points, you know, was enough to beat Arkansas last week. Um, and right now Auburn is around seven point favorite. And I think, you know, I think they'll bounce back. They're winless in SEC play. So that's something to keep an eye on. The over under is 41. I don't know if I might take the under on that. Considering even if you have Will Rogers back there, I think it might be tough. Uh, but Auburn, I think, gets the win, gets their first SEC win of the season and gets to a 500. And that would knock Mississippi State to 500, too. So give me the Auburn Tigers here to win this one. And, again, that over-under, I'm taking the under on that game all day long. So there's one game out the books. Let's take a look at some of these other games that are going to have ranked teams in them. Let's talk about BYU and Texas real quick because there's a storyline with Texas and Quinn Ewers is going to be out for a little while. And my immediate thought when I when I first saw that is like, that opens the door for Arch Manning, doesn't it? And it really does, but he's not the starter quite yet. It's going to be Malik Murphy, the other highly ranked quarterback that they brought in over the last couple of seasons. He's going to get the reps here in this game against BYU, a BYU team who's five and two and two and two in their conference. And so what is this Texas offense going to look like? And if Murphy doesn't do well, does Steve Sharkeesian pull the leash and go to Arch quick and sees what the young freshman's got? It's entirely possible. Uh, I do think Texas does win this game, but I do wonder if we'll see Arch at any point in this game. It, but Murphy was a highly ranked quarterback for a reason, was number two on the depth chart for a reason. So we'll see how he does in really big-time action as the first-team quarterback with all the first-teamers like Worthy, Mitchell, Jonathan Brooks, who has had a pretty decent season You know, after Bijan left. He's over 800 yards and six touchdowns. So he's had a good season coming off of – you know, filling in behind Bijan uh, last year. But uh, give me the Longhorns 
to go and beat BYU with their backup quarterback. Now let's spend some time and talk about Duke and Louisville, which kind of an interesting ACC game. I think, again, a lot of it is the same storyline with Duke. It does Riley Leonard play this week. And I think there is some concern, you know, with it, with his health. I mean, it didn't look like he was wanting to go back in. I mean, I guess that's every, everybody that gets hurt and like, hey, put me back in. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you're just like, no, no, no. We need to think about long term. So I wonder if he's going to play in this game or not. Louisville has been good this year. Again, remember they had that good game against Notre Dame in which they won against the Irish. They're 6-1 and one and 3-1. And them and Duke can it can make things a little bit more interesting here in ACC play uh, with their records. And maybe we've already seen North Carolina stumble, and North Carolina has got Duke here not too long from now. And maybe Louisville can too. And, I mean, Clemson, of course, is still going to try to find its way back into things. Clemson has really kind of fallen off. I've forgotten that they're not ranked here. Like, looking at the rankings, like, they're not in there. But Duke, Louisville, uh, I think it is this the only – is this the only game with ranked opponents going up against each other with – okay, no, Oregon and Utah is the other one. I, I knew there was one I was forgetting, but it's this one and that one that are the only two games that have ranked opponents going head-to-head. And right now, Louisville is the home favorite, four and a half. Plummer, he does need to cut down on his turnovers. He's thrown eight picks, and I believe he had a fumble problem and won the games we talked about here not too long ago. So that's something to keep an eye on. Again, I think a lot of it does depend on if Riley Leonard does play in this game. And I think if he does, that can really help out Duke secure this win and bounce back after the Florida State loss. And taking a look at it, let's see if there's any like injury report here. And I don't see one, but looking at it, I, how Duke's offense is and looking at how Louisville does, Louisville, better passing team than rushing team, even with Plummer and throwing eight picks. He's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards this season already. Uh, it's just the turnovers are the issue here. And I feel like that with some doubt being about if Riley Leonard is going to play, I think I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game and knock off Duke, put them to five and three and give them their second conference loss as Louisville gets the seven wins, gets to four and one in the conference. Looks like they could be a potential spoiler to things down the road. So Duke, Louisville, there's that one. And let's see. Let's talk about some other games that we have to talk about. Florida State, Wake Forest. Let's stay in the ACC real quick and talk about them. Florida State had a little bit of a scare this past weekend. And, again, I think if Riley Leonard had played, he pro- they probably would have won that game against Florida State. But Florida State, they're going on the road to Wake Forest. And they're favored by nearly three touchdowns. Uh, Jordan Travis has been sensational this year. Keon Coleman has been as well. Uh, Over-under is 51 for this game. And looks like it's going to be a good day for some football, around 61 degrees. Uh, I think Florida State, I'm going to take them. Yes, they have suffered some scares, but they've battled through them. They're still undefeated. 
I think they go to eight and zero after this game. They would be six and zero in the conference if they win this one. So I think I'm going to take Florida State to beat Wake Forest and get to a no and set themselves up nicely for the first CFP rankings. I think you know with how their season has gone, I think they'll be ranked in the top four. Uh, not in the top four, they'll certainly be ranked five or six. Um, I think right now, if you're being if we're being honest, I mean, th- does depend on what happens with Georgia and Florida this weekend and if Ohio State does get by Wisconsin I think Ohio State can make a case for one them having two of the best wins with Notre Dame and with Penn State I think you can make it the case for that Georgia of course Florida State you can probably put in there in the top maybe three you know I, I may be talking nonsense here putting them at five or six but I think you can maybe put them there. And Oklahoma, if they get by Kansas, maybe they could find themselves in that top four. But uh, we'll have to see. But give me the Seminoles here to win at Wake Forest. Next one up, let's go and talk about Tennessee at Kentucky. And, well, I don't know. Well, let's just hope – this doesn't happen. Let's just hope no signs are stole or stolen in the process of this game. If, if if you've been keeping up with the news lately, let's just hope uh, no signs are stolen like they were in last year's Kentucky and Tennessee game, which I, I had a thought this, this morning. I was like, Oh wait, Tennessee's going to be playing Kentucky a year ago. Will Levis was playing against Tennessee as the, as Kentucky's quarterback. And a year later, He's making his first start, apparently, as the Titans quarterback. Uh, so, you know, kind of weird coincidence right there. But uh, for this game, uh, I I kind of don't know what to expect. There's just been news that Tennessee's top corner, Kamal Haddon, he's done for the year. And Tennessee's going to have to find another corner to come in and replace him. I wonder if Kentucky's going to take advantage of that. The passing game has not been great for them. Devin Leary ha- has not been as advertised. The wide receiver group, really talented, has not been great either. I'm, I think I remember there's a stat, and I think we maybe talked about it, but Kentucky, their wide receivers drop a lot of footballs. And I think I will go with Tennessee just based on this fact. I mean, I mean we've been doing the pod for six years now, and – even when Tennessee's had their mediocre mid teams and Kentucky's best teams have come in, Tennessee's beat them. You know, it's it's like the te- Tennessee Florida effect. Florida is to Tennessee what Tennessee is to Kentucky. I hope I made that make sense a little bit. I hope I didn't get confused there. But essentially, it's like the Tennessee. Florida rivalry is flipped here with Tennessee being the dominating team over Kentucky. And I mean, maybe Kentucky does get the win here this week. Uh, their run defense is really solid, only giving up 95 yards per game. That's really good after Tennessee struggled to run the ball against Alabama last week. You wonder if Kentucky can take advantage of that. Um, now I think for Tennessee, you get, again, you got to get Milton to use his legs a little bit more. I think that can really get him going and that can mean another hat that the defense has to take account of in the run game. It's like, where's Milton? And got to be prepared to tackle him, all 6'5 and 245 pounds of him, and uh, get ready to do that. Uh, but I'm going with Tennessee here 
and say they go to Lexington, they bounce back, they get the win, and it would be a needed bounce back win. They got UConn coming into town next week before they got tough road tests again at Mizzou and then getting the Georgia Bulldogs at home. So I think they uh, they need this one. I think they'll go and get it, and they'll get themselves ready for UConn. And, you know, I think they'll set themselves up at 7-2. and two. Despite how rough the season's been going, uh, they're still 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in conference play. It's not too bad. So I'm going with Tennessee here to beat Kentucky. Next up, let's spend a little bit of time out in California. Let's talk about UCLA against Colorado. And right now, UCLA has made a quarterback change. They made it last week with Ethan Garbers coming in last year, last week for Dante Moore. Again, it was against Stanford, but he threw for around 240 last week, had a couple touchdowns, did not make any mistakes. And that's been a problem with Dante Moore this season is he's had made some mistakes as a young freshman quarterback that you would like to see him cut down as he learns, but just hasn't as of yet. So Garbers comes in, does well last week. Again, it's against Stanford, but I think you'll take that either way if you're Chip Kelly. Colorado comes in at 4-3, and three, and they are huge underdogs in this one, around 17-point underdogs in this game. And this is going to be a tough one for Colorado for a couple reasons. You take a look at a couple strengths for UCLA, their run game, re- really amazing. Averaging 215 yards per game on the ground, a little over that and being one of the top rushing teams in the country. Looking at the defensive side of things, they're one of the better teams at getting after the quarterback in the country. And Colorado's had some struggles in protecting Shadur Sanders, and Shadur has had to protect himself a couple times too. And one thing that could potentially help them is a strong run again. Colorado's averaging only 86 rushing yards per game. They got to get a little bit more out of that. If they can get a little bit more out of that, maybe they can make things interesting. Maybe UCLA could be on upset alert, but I think with UCLA, with their rushing game and their defense again after the quarterback against Colorado's weakness in their offensive line, I think UCLA wins this one. But I do think Colorado keeps it close. I think I would take Colorado uh, with the points there, but uh, I think – it's not going to be 17. It might be a couple touchdowns, but uh, we'll see. But I'm taking the Bruins here to win over Colorado. Next up, we got Oklahoma at Kansas and no Jalen Daniels for the Jayhawks. He is going to be missing this one. Instead, it's going to be Jason Bean that's going to be quarterbacking this game for the Jayhawks. And they're facing Oklahoma at home who are 10-point favorites. Kansas, they're underdogs at their own stadium this week. Oklahoma has won 18 straight against the Jayhawks. 18 straight. Think about how long that is. And so you're thinking, like, well, does Kansas has a chance? I think Kansas does, but Oklahoma will win. I, You take a look at the streak. Oklahoma has won all those games by double digits as well. But, I mean, you did have, was it potentially a hangover type of game last week against UCF in which UCF was a two-point conversion away from making things really interesting? Uh, Well, we don't know. I think, and I think we'll find out this week. 
think one thing for Oklahoma will be is finding a run game to help out with Dylan Gabriel. Gabriel's been amazing this year, 19 touchdowns to three picks, well well over 2,100 yards passing. I think a running game can really help him out because we know what the OU passing game can do, but uh, if they run the ball more consistently and Kansas, they're not that great at stopping the run. And uh, they're not that great at stopping the pass either. Um, but if they can, if Oklahoma can do that and mix that in with what they get from Gabriel in this passing game, I think that can help out as well. Also, another thing, Oklahoma, their defense, pretty good. I think it's getting closer to what Venables wants it to be from his time at Clemson. I think that's probably what he's had in mind since he got the job there at OU is to get – that defense to what it was at Clemson. I don't know if it's going to be possible with the offense they run, um, but there, there's still a long time to find out if that can actually work. Uh, it's definitely better than last year's defense. It can, I mean, I'm thinking back to last year's Red River rivalry, which Texas just freaking, you know, scored so many points on that defense. Uh, it was embarrassing. So I'm going with Oklahoma here. I think they make it 19 straight. And I think they win by around 10 as well. I think they keep that double digits uh, thing alive as well, along with the streak. So give me the Sooners to go on the road and beat the Jayhawks. If they had Daniels, maybe I think I might give Kansas a little bit more of a chance here, but I think I'm going with Oklahoma here. Now let's go to the Big Ten. Let's talk about Ohio State-Wisconsin for a minute. It does sound like Ohio State is going to get some of the players that they were missing last week back, and that's good news for them. They're getting a little bit more healthy. They're getting Henderson back, Burke back, and Buka back. That could really help out this team and getting its stars on offense and defense back and going. And you're facing a Wisconsin team in which they've won nine out of their last ten and have had pretty easy times beating them over the last several seasons. Wisconsin had a big comeback win over Illinois last week. And you can take a look at this from the Luke Fickle, you know, coach at Ohio State one-year type of angle. Uh, I don't think that's going to play too much a factor into this. Uh, I have Ohio State winning this game. I think they make it a double-digit streak. I think they make it 10 straight. And I'm wondering what the line is. It's Ohio State 14 and a half. Uh, Kyle McCord has played really well. He's, he's not turned over the ball. He almost had that one turnover last week against Penn State. That could have really cost the Buckeyes, but didn't happen. Got called back due to a penalty. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. has just been going beast mode on teams. Uh, I'm going with the Buckeyes here. Keep that this streak against Wisconsin alive and get to 8-0. and And, again, I think they could find themselves potentially number one at the top of the CFP rankings next week. Next up, we got – let's see who we got next. I believe we got Georgia and Florida. And let's talk about that one real quick. I think the question everybody's wanting to know, and we'll find out Saturday, is how are the Bulldogs going to do without Brock Bowers to start tight end? I'm really curious because we talked about, you know, how Georgia's kind of developed their weapons 
over time and went to them deliberately than really try to get them involved. It's just, you know, because Bowers isn't going to be there forever. And plus some of those guys can use reps, not just for this season, but for next season. And Carson Beck has done really well. He's thrown for over 300 yards this season. Has had 12, thrown 12 touchdowns. Has thrown a pick in each of his last three games. That's something to keep an eye on if you're the Florida defense. Maybe you can make something happen there. But again, the big question, how will they do without Bowers? And what kind of Georgia team will we see in general? Because there's been games like Kentucky where they just absolutely smash the Wildcats and they look super dominant. And then you get games like the first half of South Carolina and you get what you saw in the Auburn game where they did not dominate those teams for a majority of that game. Um, Now in the Carolina game, they did in the second half dominate things from there on out. But there's been, you know, the tale of two different types of teams for Georgia this year. So what Georgia team will we see Florida? They've been really solid since that opening week loss to Utah. They've won five of their last six. Graham Mertz has been really solid for the Gators has not turned the ball much, has been really good about being efficient, has a high completion percentage, and he's done really well. Kind of a different quarterback than what we saw with him at Wisconsin. But I think, again, a couple questions. How will they do without Bowers? What type of Georgia team will we see? And if it's a close game, in which, I mean, it's a rivalry game, so you never know, where will Georgia go in crunch time if if they're needed to go to somebody? Can Oscar Delt step up? Can Ra Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, Ladd McConkie, can one of those guys step up? Uh, I do think Georgia does win this game, and the line is around 14, around a couple touchdowns. Let's double-check that. I think, yeah, it's around 14, 14 and a half. I do think Georgia wins this game, but I think we need to know some of the, the answers to those questions in this game. I do think Florida will give them a little bit of a tough test here, but Georgia... They'll come out the victor, come out a no, and be ranked in the top three, I think at least, in the CFP next week. So give me the Bulldogs. And then we got the game of the week here, and it's a Pac-12 battle. Uh, Who would have thought another Pac-12 battle that's highly anticipated? Oregon versus Utah. Really excited about this matchup here in the Pac-12, because it can determine a lot of things down the line, because Washington is still undefeated. USC, even though they got two losses, I don't think they're out of it yet. And I think this can determine a lot of things down the line as we, again, get to the CFP rankings and we get deeper into the season and you get some of these matchups, like Washington having to face USC, Oregon having to face USC. I think we're going to be in for a treat here with these matchups down the road. But with this one, Oregon, Utah, Oregon ranked number eight in the country, Utah 13th. Utah is really great at home. Uh, I I remember us talking about it with Oregon State. I believe it was Oregon State or UCLA when they were facing Utah at Utah and went with UCLA there and how I botched that pick. Utah is amazing at home. They've won 18 straight at home. In fact, the last time they lost was uh, probably 2018, I think. The last loss with fans, at least, because he had the pandemic. 
the count of that as well. So you can maybe say that streak is a little bit longer than 18, and they're coming back home after a huge win at USC after the way they won it in classic fashion and just playing their physical, tough brand of football. And here you got Oregon coming in, bouncing back after their loss to Washington. You got the one of the probably the most, not even probably, the most experienced quarterback in college football history, Bo Nix, who blows, has blown my mind. And 55 starts, going to be 56 this week. Uh, I think somebody like that can really help in a road environment like this. A guy that's really efficient, can get the ball out quickly, knows where the ball needs to go, knows where everybody's supposed to be. It also helps when your offensive line is really good, is really a, a strong, uh, it's a strength for after losing a lot of guys last year, their offense line is a strength this year with the guys that they've replaced them with. And they've been doing really good. Utah, they can get after the quarterback. And so that's going to be a matchup to watch is Oregon's offensive line versus Utah's pass rush. I think vice versa. Same can be true on the other side. Utah, they need to protect whoever's at quarterback. It does look like it's going to be Bryson Barnes. And I think they need to protect him because Oregon can get after the quarterback as well. And so both these teams, I think it's really interesting. This game's going to be so much fun to watch and see who's strength on strength, who wins. And I think I've learned my lesson, even though I think Oregon is really freaking good this year. I don't think I'm going to go against Utah at home again. I think I'm going to go with the Utes here and say they win. They get the seven to one. And I think they set themselves up nicely. I think they, if they win this one, they're going to launch themselves up into the top 10 with the wins they've had here in the last couple of weeks. But uh, I think we're in for a really fun game this Saturday afternoon. And uh, I think that wraps everything up from the college football side of things. Let's jump on over to the NFL side of things and talk about some of the games that we got. Of course, with this pod coming out Friday, we got the Bills and Bucks game on Thursday night. And pick them. I'm going with the Bills. I don't know how confident I am in picking the Bills. Maybe it does seem like some of those cracks that we talked about are, are maybe coming back. You know, if you remember the talk in the offseason, like maybe there's some chinks in the armor. And, you know, I think I remember us on, on this pod talking about maybe we should haul off on that. Well, maybe after what happened last week, maybe we should reconsider that, you know, with the new information that we have after this past week. So, Bills, Bucks, going with the Bills in that one. I think they do get back on track. The Bills are around nine-point favorites, I believe, in this game. And uh, we'll see if the Bucks can make it a close one and if Baker and them can get back on track and see if Godwin Evans can take advantage of that secondary that's been banged up, of a defense that's been banged up in general. But uh, I'm going with the Bills there. Then the next game we have, I believe, is the Rams at Cowboys, is it? Yes, the Rams at Cowboys. And Cowboys... Uh, coming off a bye week this past week and looking to get on track here 
Got the Rams coming to their place, to Jared World. And right now, the Cowboys, take a look at them. I think we might talk about this, me and Matt. You know, Cowboys 4-2, offense hasn't gotten going completely yet. And, you, you know, you have McCarthy calling the plays now after Kellen Moore's been calling them for the last few seasons. So there's going to take some time here. So you hope Dak is able to be really smart with the football here, how he, he gets it going against a Rams defense. That's not too bad. Raheem uh, Morris has done a good job uh, with the Rams defense with the, the pretty much the big-time guy being Aaron Donald, and that's it. Uh, but Cowboys, I feel like they are the pick here. I think they will get to 5-2 and two after they win this game. The Rams... Uh, shout out to Puka. He's been good. Cup's been solid. They did lose Kyron Williams. He's going to be out a few weeks. And uh, I think Cowboys, I think their defense gets it done in this game. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys here to win this one. Next one up, Falcons and Titans. Arthur, Arthur Smith going back to Nashville to face the Titans. And Titans, a couple different changes. They're actually more than a couple. Uh, new uniforms, bringing back the Houston Oilers throwbacks. Uh, no Kevin Byard, as he was traded to the Eagles, as the Eagles once again fleece the Titans in the trade. Who would have thought? And guys, just a little bit of a note. If you see something, if you see your phone and you look at Howie Roseman calling, I think you need to hang up because you're probably not going to get the better end of the deal there. And so that's the change that's happening. And then also... Tannehill, we mentioned this earlier, it's going to be out. It looks like it's going to be Will Levis. I think Malik Willis is going to get some time here as well. And, I mean, it's been pretty much noted here how I didn't like the Levis pick, but I'm curious to see what we're going to get out of him as the starter, as the guy that's going to be playing with the ones this week against a Falcons defense that is a little bit underrated. And I wonder how the Titans secondary is going to perform without Bayard for what seems like forever now. It seems like the guy's been a mainstay there for a decade, and it's about pretty close to that. And so I'm really interested to see what we get out of Levis. Again, I'm not excited about the pick. I'm still not. But if there's a little bit of hope that can be offered here, you know, I imagine Titans fans are going to take it and run. Uh, so I really don't know what to expect in this game. And right now the Titans are not favored to win in this game as the Falcons had a gritty tough win against the Bucks last week. And again, I'm just curious how that secondary is going to perform. I wonder if Arthur Smith is going to try to take advantage of that. I also wonder how much of Bijan you're going to see this week, uh, if everything is good with him. I imagine you'll see him. So we'll see. I'm I'm going with the Falcons here. And, uh, you know, I've had this thing of picking against the Titans a couple times this year. And a couple times it's burned me. And uh, I'll tell you what, I do have a feeling that it might happen this week. It, it, it might happen this week. But uh, I think I'm going with the Falcons here. And uh, we'll see the Titans. They may be sellers at the deadline. I didn't necessarily think about that when talking about the Vikings and Broncos, who seems like the Vikings might not be sellers anymore. I didn't think about my own team potentially being sellers. And so there you go. 
Uh, speaking of the Vikings, didn't mean to make that segue, but uh, there you go. Vikings at Packers this week. This is a big one for the Packers, if we're being honest here. Vikings made up a little bit of ground here while the Packers are on by. Vikings are three and four, big win over the Niners. Packers at two and four, and uh, they had that game against the Broncos coming off their bye and uh, just terrible how they lost that game. And they're now two and four. You had the Bears behind them getting a win last week. So if you're the Packers, if you want to stay in this race in the in the NFC North, you need this win. Can't let the Vikings take up too much ground and get to 500 in this game. So this is a big one for Vikings, Packers, for all of them involved. And how the Vikings won last week was really great. And again, no Debo for the for the Niners. That may have played a factor here. Uh, Minnesota is a small favorite. And Kirk Cousins has actually played all right. And Addison played amazingly in that Monday night game. I'm curious of the Madison and Ackers and Akers workload and the Vikings backfield. Packers, I mean, they they got to win this game, I think. I think this is a much this is a must-win game for them to try to go and win. Jordan Love has got to play pretty well in this one. They are getting Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell back. So that can help out the defense a little bit. And the Packers have really kind of struggled here to score points here lately. And I have to take a look at it, but they haven't scored 20 points. I had this thing for me and Matt's midseason pod, but for the Packers, They've trailed on 80% of their offensive snaps over the last four games. They haven't scored 20 points in any of them. Now, it is at Lambeau. And, you know, maybe the first one, the the three touchdowns wins. I do think I'll take the Packers, though. I do think they get back on track. So, give me the Packers, the Lambeau leap, cheeseheads, whatever you want to say. Jaguars at Steelers. Actually, Competitive game here, I think. Five and two versus four and two. And Steel and Jaguars get a couple extra days off playing that Thursday night game last week. They're going to Pittsburgh where the defense couldn't really fault Pittsburgh and to get into five and two over a division leader here in the Jaguars. Again, not a big time division leader. It is the AFC South. But right now, Jaguars, they are the favorite on the road. And the offense hasn't necessarily been all that awesome for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, you take a look at his stats. He's thrown eight touchdowns to three picks. Uh, it's just been all right. ETN has had a couple good games. He's He's got seven touchdowns on the year so far. I can see this one where, you know, we talk about the Steelers so many times, you know, over the years with Peter and Matt and I and how the Steelers will play down to competition and play up to competition. I think maybe this could be one of those games. Deontay Johnson is back, gives Kenny Pickett another weapon along with Pickens to keep an eye on on that offense. Najee kind of broke through last week. I think last week was his first rushing touchdown of the season. And, uh, Thank goodness I put him on my bench. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, I think 
the I think the Steelers, I think they win this game. I think their defense makes a couple big plays. I think you can count on TJ Watt to make a big play in this game. So I'm going to go with Steelers here to win this one. Next up, we got the Texans against the Panthers. Two rookie quarterbacks going at it. One has been significantly better than the other in C.J. Stroud. C.J. has played some amazing football this year. Honestly, the Texans have been really solid as a team. Being 3-3, three and three, they've matched their win total from last season. D'Amico Ryan's doing a solid job six games into his coaching career. And uh, C.J. Stroud has been an amazing quarterback. He has thrown an interception, so don't have to worry about that anymore. But he's been really good this year. I'm really excited to see the battle of the quarterbacks here, the two young quarterbacks, and seeing them go toe-to-toe. Panthers do have a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the football, and they're also another team that, if you keep an eye on, could be involved in some trade deadline stuff. Uh, I've seen like Jeremy Chin's name involved, Brian Burns, even though I don't think they're going to deal him. Panthers, Xavier Woods is questionable. Brian Burns is questionable. Von Bell's questionable. So you got some potential guys to keep an eye on there as well. And for the Texans, Robert Woods is questionable. Tunsil's questionable. Brevin Jordan's questionable. Uh, so we'll see. I think Tank Dale is going to play, and he's been solid here, but missed the game here recently. Didn't do well the couple games before that. And again, I think I like the job the Texans have done this year. They go on the road as favorites in this game. I think I'm going to take the road team here. And I am going to say the Panthers will still be winless by the end of Sunday. By Sunday afternoon, I think they'll still be winless. Browns at Seahawks. Another good one. Four and two teams going to battle against each other. Looks like P.J. Walker is going to get the start again for the Browns. And Oh, you would think that would immediately like, okay, Browns are going to be sorry after that because no, the Sean starting not going to be good, but the Browns have actually been pretty solid. And besides the defense giving up all those points and yards to Minshew last week, they've been an amazing defense and Seahawks. They've been a really good defense as well. Gino has been solid this year, completing 75% of his passes and he gets DK Metcalf back after him missing last week. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, made a couple of plays last week. And maybe you could see him be a more bigger role on this offense, along with Lockett and Metcalf. Kenneth Walker gives Seahawks a little bit of a good balance here with their running and pass game. And I think that's going to be needed against this Browns defense that – you know, looking at the, saw this stat that the Browns have held opponents to no gain or a loss on an NFL high 44.7% of their defensive snaps. That's kind of crazy right there. So I think Seahawks, they do need to be balanced here in order to win this game. I think they need those wide receivers to step up, Geno to be efficient, and Kenneth Walker to be good in the passing game. And then for the Browns, I don't know if Jerome Ford's going to play this week. You, you may see a lot of Kareem Hunt in that backfield. And uh, I imagine Amari Cooper gets a lot of touches, and Joku does as well. But uh, this is going to be a game where I think there's going to be a lot of defenses involved and a lot of big-time plays on that side of the ball. 
But I do think the Seahawks, with it being at home and with it being P.J. Walker, I think they get the win at home. So give me the Seahawks to get the 5-2. and two. Next one up, Bengals at 49ers. And this one we mentioned up at the top, there's a little bit of a question mark here with Brock Purdy. And they took me by surprise when I saw this, that there's a possibility of him potentially missing this game in concussion protocol and it's like oh that's that's big time um it does sound like he will be able to clear it by that time but that's an interesting note if he doesn't get to go it's gonna be sam darnold uh it is at home so that does help for the 49ers if it was on the road might be a little bit worrisome Trent williams questionable for this game debo is not going to play in this game so you already know what you're going to get from the 49ers offense with no Debo for a second straight week. Is it too much to say that I think this is a must win for both these teams? I think for the Bengals, it's a must win for them to get everything back on track with them on the offensive side of the ball with Higgins. Chase has been great as of late, but getting everyone on the same page. And plus going on the road to San Francisco and getting a big win that can really help turn around your season, I think. And for San Francisco, after being hailed as a, one of the better teams, one of the best teams in the league, you can't lose three straight. I don't think you can. you got to find a way to win this one. I think this one would be a good win for them as well. And they're 3-0 at home so far. So take that into consideration with this one as well. Yeah, I just think both these teams need it. And right now, San Francisco is coming in as the favorite. And the Bengals did have their bye week. And last season, if you remember, the Bengals won nine straight games, including some of those postseason games, after their bye week. And this year, they won two games before their bye week last week. And Burrow looked like his old self. So this this is a big one. This is a big one that uh, Jim and Tony are going to be calling on CBS Sunday afternoon. I do think the 49ers will win. I'll take them, but I think it's going to be a close game. San Francisco is around three-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is around 43-and-a-half. I think it's going to be a tight one. I'm going to go to the wire and uh, see these teams do battle. But I'll take the Niners as the home favorite and they get back on track and get the 6-2. and two. Next up, Bears at Chargers Sunday night football. Not a, not a great one, but uh, Tyson Bajent is going to be making the start again for this one after winning his first game as the starter last week. And for the Chargers, I think you can't let this happen again. I Chargers, I do have them on my midseason pod notes that for me and Matt that I think we'll talk a little bit about them because – Chargers have been disappointing. They got a lot of time guys that make big-time money on that side of the ball, and they haven't done a whole lot. And you saw them get torched by the Chiefs last week who look like their, their old selves on offense, and they did not look great. Uh, so for the Chargers, I think you definitely need this one at home on prime time against a guy that's only making a second career start. I think you need to win this one you know, by decent margin, I, you know, looking at Chargers are eight and a half point favorites around that margin. I think you need to win this one. 
And I think Herbert needs to play clean game. Uh, I don't know if the Bears will get any pressure on him. Maybe they do. But I think Staley, the Chargers, they need this one. I think they get it. I don't know how convincing, but it needs to be convincing, I think. And so not sure about that, but I'll take the Chargers here to win on Sunday night football. Then we got the Raiders at Lions. Both these teams uh, looking bounce back this week with the Lions getting decimated by the, by the Ravens. And then you had the Raiders losing to uh, to the Bears last week to Tyson Bajent. And Cannon felt great about that. And so both these teams looking to recover after tough weeks last week. And Lions, I think you, you're going to like being back at home after that type of loss. I think that can really help you out. And I think they're going to be rejuvenated considering how they lost. They're like, okay, that's not going to happen again. We're not going to go revert back to the 2021 Lions. Let's stay the version that we have been for a, a, a lot of last season and for a lot of this season. Let's get back to that version. And uh, I think hosting a Monday night football game, being at home, I think they can really do that coming off the loss they did. I think there's a lot of variables there that can really say, hey, I think it's a safe pick to go and take the Lions. And uh, Jared Goff, I think, will be back to what we've seen for most of the season this week. Won't have to be concerned about Max Crosby and company. Uh, Lions' offense line has been solid besides last week. But uh, I think Lions, I'll take them. Should be concerned about Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, that is, if they get Adams the ball and all and who's quarterbacking for the Raiders this week, if it's Jimmy G, who's still listening as questionable, or if it's Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. I think I'm taking the Lions here. I think they bounce back, and I think they get to 6-2. and two. And everybody, that will do it for another week of football, another week of talking about some baseball. A lot of fun, a lot of fun happening this weekend with the World Series getting started here pretty soon and with college football this weekend, NFL this weekend, a lot of interesting stuff. All right, guys, that's where we're going to leave it off with our football talk and everything else. And now let's get to me and Charles talking about the NBA, what we think is going to happen, talk a little bit about our teams and see who's going to be holding the Larry O'Brien Trophy next June. So, yeah, enjoy. And then, uh, you know, went to my first Grizzly game yesterday. Actually, my first NBA game. Oh, you did? Oh, man. Well, yeah, it was, it, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I don't know if you watched my stories or anything today. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I know I'm going to be going back now. Man, well, I hate you had to see us take an L, but. <laughs> well, I kind of figured y'all probably we're going to take an L to the Pelicans being fully healthy and not having John Den, that big blow to Steven Adams. Yeah. I said, boy, it's going to be a long season for Grizzly fan. Man. That blows. And I haven't seen him bounce. I said, ah, I said, I feel bad for Grizzly fans. Man. I said, I just hope my Thunder stay healthy. And the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, I'm glad you had fun. I can, I'm glad you got to experience what I got to go to for all these years. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we we sat, like, right, be right behind. Well, my, my our tickets that we had. Uh, apparently, apparently, like the hostess, they they showed us the wrong seats. Oh, we were like in row C itself. We were like right behind the players' bench, 
So, you know, we could, we were literally, you know, talking to like Zion Wilson, CJ McCollum, all of them, you know, just yelling and saying, what's up, all that different stuff, right? And uh, kind of find out some the the fans who ever uh, had the tickets for the seats, they came so late, they didn't show up to like the second quarter. That's why, like, if you actually go and watch highlights of the game, you can see me and Kyrie sitting on the side, you know, just 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 chilling on the side. And then, like, in the later quarters, we're not there because we had to move seats. And we had to basically go like a whole nother section down. So we like sitting in, in a, we still were like on the same row of seats, but we were like behind the goal. Mm. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a whole lot of fun. I'm, I'm yeah, glad you, I'm, I'm glad you got to go. And now, now you just need to go to a playoff game. Oh man. Uh, well, you know, me and Kyrie probably going to go through there. And go, we gonna catch a couple more games, but I know I want to go see some games. I'm kind of, I want to see KD don't play on the 24th, man. But with the, with the stuff that I got going on, I say I'll probably just have to wait till they come again. But I'm I'm already tracking going to the Golden State game on MLK. Oh yeah, see Curry play. I want to see the Lakers play and the Clippers. You know, I want to see LeBron play in person. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely you know not a big LeBron fan. <laughs> but, and then you know, obviously, I got I want to see Kawhi and PG and, and Westbrook in person. Yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully, hopefully, stars be healthy and playing when they do call them Memphis and play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that see them out there. And then I want to see my Thunder. Like well, I've been tracking all the games that I want to see or catch, and I definitely got to see my Thunder come to town. Oh, you got to, yeah, yeah. But those kind of like the four bigger matchups I want to see going. You know, going forward to see playing Memphis. Just the tickets be out, you know, the tickets be outrageous for one game. So it'd be better to go with somebody else. Yeah. That's why, hey, if you ever want to go catch a game together, hey, let me know. <laughs> Man, might have to. That's fine with me. Like I, I'm I'm ready to go. It's been a minute since we've been to the game. I mean, I wanted to go to the playoff series against the Lakers, but like they didn't have any good days that we could go and it's probably for the best that we didn't go see that series. Considering yeah. what happened, <laughs> and then another thing, though, know, right now, man, being in there, the experience was uh, it was it was so surreal because you know, I'm used to seeing how the games look on TV, yeah, so I didn't even realize that it was like a dome actually, like a big dome in a building. Like, mm. you know, we went we went to like the plaza, the backstage plaza, you know, where Zebo and everybody was there, so got to meet Zebo. Oh uh, man, Allen, all over back there, man, it, it was awesome, man. Like uh, we we were standing like right where the Grizzlies players run out. Yeah. So you know, I got to see D Rose, Darren, everybody. Uh, we was we were standing like we were standing right next to Derrick Rose's wife and son. Oh I man! Literally got a, I got a Snapchat of him asking, like, "Ain't you D Rose's son?" <laughs> I even got this like a little two second snap of him. You know, but I didn't I didn't post it. But yeah, we were like right there. It it was fun, man. And it's fun meeting Zebo, and then you know I never you never realize how tall the players actually are until you know you see them in person. Like Bane was look, Bane was so big out there, man. Because I'm just so you seeing everybody on TV, so actually seeing them in person, it, it was crazy. Hey, was looking like a monster out there right now. Hey man, <laughs> hey, did, did Bane's biceps look as as big as as big as they are? Oh man, dude, Bane's is a tank, man. I said, man, I was telling Kyrie, I said, man, Bane's looking like a linebacker out here. <laughs> and then watching CJ McC- and then watching CJ McCollum, you know, I was looking at his jump shot is like so beautiful to me. But seeing in a person, it's like CJ barely missed any shots last night though. Everything was like cash. Yeah, he missed like two threes late in the game. But other than that, every shot he's pulling up was just about cash. <laughs> Man, I couldn't I couldn't believe it though because like I said, the, the experience was just surreal. 
But I got like the first game jitters and everything out. So now I'm, I'm feeling way more comfortable to where I could probably, you know, go see a game by myself if I want to. Let's get on started. Let's uh let's talk about this season. I figured, you know, let's start in the East. I think, you know, because in the West, there's a lot more intrigue, I think, because you got a cluster of teams with the East. It does kind of feel like it's really two teams. It feels like it's Milwaukee and Boston right now. It feels like they're in a tier like unto themselves and like everybody else is just fighting oh. below them. Yeah, def- definitely, because I, I, I'm sorry, I'm marking the heat out. But then again, that seemed like we mark them out and they make the finals or make a deep run. So I'm just not sold on them. I was looking at Philly, all, all the issues going on with James Harden. I, yeah, like, like you said, it's them too. It kind of feel like the East, it feel like a couple of years ago, you know, when it's Golden State versus Cleveland every year. That's that's the vibes I'm getting from Boston and uh, Milwaukee because they're like the two juggernauts. Yeah, and I especially feel after, you know, all the all the stuff after the Dame trade, after Dame getting traded to Milwaukee, then you get Drew going to the Celtics. I feels like it, it does take those two up a notch. You know, I honestly hadn't talked to you about the Dame trade much. And like I thought, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good fit. It's gonna help Giannis. They're not gonna be able to throw that wall at them on defense because what are you gonna do? Let Dame shoot all night, give him wide open shots. I feel like it's gonna be a really big big move for him. That I, I it was like the most sneakiest off season move in any team could have pulled. When I first said I said they when I when it, when it first happened, I I didn't even have to worry about, you know, thinking about matchups or what he fit. I was already thinking, oh yeah, they're definitely Eastern Conference Finals bound, as long as there are no injuries. Eastern Conference Finals bound or or finals bound. And to be honest, I kinda can see them going to the finals, but you know, the Celtics actually got a pretty good juggernaut over there with all the pieces they had. But but back to back to the Bucks. Uh, like you said, it's gonna open up everything for Giannis. Uh, like you say, can't put a wall on him because you got Chris Middleton and Dane to fire it up, as well as Malik Beasley. Uh, so you know, like it, it's gonna be lights out, you know, on offense. I say the defense might take a little hit, but I don't think it'll be much. You know, even though Drew Holiday was a big piece of that, I just don't think it'll uh, it'll be too much of a drop off. But it's like their offense is going to skyrocket. And you know, we like like the first game they just played tonight against Philly. Dane drops thirty nine. Yeah, that's like the first Philly game of the season. With Giannis like twenty three and thirteen, like they gonna be such a effortless duo playing together. Yeah, like like I think yeah, tonight was just kind of like that's gonna be a glimpse. I think of what it's gonna be like with. Giannis and Dame and the good thing about it is Giannis signing that three-year extension they're going to be around for a few years so they're going to have some time to gel be, be a good duo and you got Milton there and Brooke Lopez there like it's just like I I don't think there's a better place that Dame could have gone to and we didn't even think about Milwaukee and I think it's really going to help Giannis out it's going to take a little bit off of him and it, even for Chris Milton, because Chris Milton, he would be the second guy behind Giannis. And now he can thrive as the number three guy behind those two. I think he, he can do really well. And you got Brooke stretching out the floor. And yeah, the defense might take a little bit of a hit. But if you can sacrifice a little bit of defense 
but are able to have some a great shot maker and Dame who's really clutch, and then you got Giannis who's in an unstoppable force. I think they're going to be fun. Like I think they're probably the team to watch as far as like I think I'm going to go ahead and spoil my finals pick. I think they're going to win the finals. Uh, that's how I think of them right now. I think like if you remember back when the year they made the Drew Holiday trade. You saw what happened that year. It ended up helping them out tremendously, and they ended up winning the title that year. And I think it's going to be deja vu this year. I think Dame is going to catapult them to the top again and win that championship. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's how much I think of this page. I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's definitely not a bad prediction. I don't want to just, you know, overblow it out of proportion because – you know, obviously now it's win a bust this season. Yeah. You know, no matter how we look at it, because they traded for Dane. That's like all or nothing, you know, lose to Drew Holiday. But I think any team, if they was in that situation, would have pulled the plug on that trade. Definitely. But, uh, like, like, like I, I feel like, honestly, that we know it's between them and the Celtics. Yeah. But I'm going to have to see how the games go between them and the Celtics so I can get a, a better feel. I want to see how they play each other. But, uh, they they definitely finals bound and like you said, I definitely can see them winning the title because they they obviously uh, obviously could be the be the predetermined favorites. But I won't I I don't want to write out you know in the West it's kind of hard for me to write write out the Nuggets because yes. the way the Nuggets are just playing playing against the Lakers, you know I feel like I feel like they uh they definitely can repeat as well as I I, I feel like. This might be the year where the, where the Los Angeles Clippers can finally stay healthy. You know, like I feel like this is gonna be the year we can finally see a, a, a you know a full season of PG and Kawhi. You know, just healthy, no bubble, no no anything. I feel like this might finally be the year we get that. So I won't write them out. They they they'll always be a dark horse, but you know it's always because of health. I like uh. I'm not selling on Lakers, and then you know we still got Phoenix, who you know some people are calling the favorites, even though I like their bench. I, I like I I won't rule out those teams, but and then you know like those are about like the top three teams in the West that I can see going you know going forward to actually get that title. Golden State is sneaky, but I I think Golden State, even though they won in years past, you know not having the big you know besides Bogut or Javale McGee. But then again, you know, I take that back. When they actually had a, a really good, a, a decent big, or, you know, just an actual big man, they had won the titles, now that I think about it. so Because, so, you know, it's just like they actually won the title in 2022 without, you know, having a, a true big man. Because, you know, they all, it's, they've always been a jump soon team winning. But, you know, now I think I think they really just need a, need some big some big bodies. So, yeah, I wish they would have got the white, but, you know, that's another story. But I'm going to keep going, stay as a dark horse, but those are like the only four teams on the West I can see, you know, going for a title this year or to actually get it. Like I said, I'm not sold on the Lakers because even though I'm, even though I'm kind of, this might be like a contradiction, though, know, since I picked the Clippers to probably be a dark horse, you know, depending on hell. Lakers are like an even bigger question mark to me because, you know, like LeBron, old as he is, we know AD, we know AD, you know, he going to go through some knick-knack, but, you know, AD is kind of in the same boat as, you know, a Kawhi PG. And then, you know, they, they traded. They basically, once again, you know, rebuilt the whole roster, you know, to, you know, fine-tune for LeBron or whatever. But, yeah. you know, all these other guys, even though they got some good veterans and, you know, it seemed like decent pieces. I mean, it. I don't know how good that can gel. Only time will tell. But I'm just not sold on the Lakers doing anything. 
I feel like these are really just LeBron last days to, you know, go out with, you know, however he finishes, finishes his uh, career. But, and then, like, you know, the Phoenix, obviously I think the Kings, they're still young, just like my Thunder. M- more likely make the playoffs. I don't think we'll definitely probably wouldn't win this year. I'd be that'd be highly surprising. Same thing with Timberwolves. I think Timberwolves gonna obviously make the playoffs and be good. But I, I feel like those are probably like all the teams we'll see make the playoffs this year. And, and the Pelicans, obviously the Pelicans are a sleeper, but you know, you know, what I mean, you never know with Zion. He's kind of in the same boat, you know, with the Lakers, Lakers and Clippers. You know, his health will be a big concern. You know, Brandon Ingram for the past few years kind of nicknamed injuries and stuff. Yeah, he so, has those like, but out of all those teams, the the first four I named are like the teams I can really see probably go to the finals and could possibly win the championship. But as we stated, Boston and Milwaukee are looking like the the top tier, you know, on that side, you know, besides uh Denver, you know, besides Denver for the West. Yeah, and you know, spending some time on Boston, you know. Losing Marcus Smart, you're going to need a defensive presence back there in, in the backcourt. And you get Drew Holiday, and a guy that's known for being one of the best guards yeah. that can defend in the league, and you pair him with Derek White. <laughs> and you know, yeah, he's proven. And, you know, he brings a little bit of a veteran presence. And, you know, I think that's something Celtics fans kind of worried about losing Marcus Smart is that a guy that's been there for so many years brings a veteran presence and you get Drew Holiday now, and I really think that helps him out. And then, of course, you had Porzingis in there to help out in the front court. You had him with Horford. You know, the Celtics, I think, again, I'm, I got Milwaukee coming out, but Boston is not going to be any slouch. I think those games between them and the Bucks, they're going to be fascinating. And if we get them in the playoffs, that's going to be even more fascinating because that series Man. is going seven. It is not going Man. anything less than than like six. No, I honestly no way it, it can't go less than seven. I really think that that's going to be one where both teams going to have to battle it out, and the best team will win. You know, at me injuries or anything. But man, that talk about series, why no? That's going to be a, a crazy series. And you know, you know what's kind of, you know what's kind of crazy about in the East. Like, we know those are the only two teams that we we know just gotta make it out the East. Because, mm-hmm. like we said, we went over Philly. Um, and then like, <laughs> who else do you really look at? Trey Young. That situation is just, you know, it's just out the way with the Hawks. Um, no Wizards, no Hornets. What are teams in the East? Indiana is the sleeper team. You know, Indiana has some great pieces down there. Yeah. Good good playoff team, but, you know, like, it, it's really nothing else in the East that I'm, you know, looking at. Like, say, we, Philly, that whole situation is, that whole situation is just all whacked out of the other place. <laughs> and like, it, 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 it's bad on Harden part because and then, you know, it, you know, I kind of think about, it's, it's all of this warranted because of Joel and B, but you know it, you can't even blame Joel and B because this is like the second time he's had a teammate that just you know just, just out of sync, man. And you know yeah. it's like like maybe will it be a, t- a change of scenery for M B because we know Hard gonna be gone. He's gone sometime this year. I know I don't think he's going to the Clippers just like Dane didn't go to Miami. It wasn't 
you know, set in stone. You know, it wasn't set in stone to be. So, so the Clippers said they're not trading Terrence Mann anytime soon. You know, like like there's no way he'll be involved in a in a hard trade. Even though we know it's a business, but that I, I said they're pretty amical about that because to be honest, they had so many pieces. It's just about them being healthy. Yeah, but and yeah, Philly, Philly, man, that that situation is, man, that is a situation over there. Yeah, it is. Like it seems like every day or every other new day, we hear something about what's going on with Harden and the Sixers, and just like how that relationship with Daryl Morey has really deteriorated. And that leaves a lot of things up in the air for Embiid now. And where I think there's some, probably some people wondering, you know, there's always that talk about who's going to be the next superstar that's going to want out. And like, you can make a case for Embiid to be on that list. Like, but you know, I I wouldn't even be mad if Embiid requested a trade. Because at this point, I'm kind of tired of seeing him, you know, in, in, in Philly. And we, we, you know, you could get a lot back from him, but you know, anything that gets him is an automatic big up on contender. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it, whoever gets him, they're gonna have a big time center. They're gonna have one of the best centers in the league join their squad at a really crucial time, and be an excellent addition for him. And I think the Sixers can get a lot of pieces back, but like Embiid is so valuable, and what he brings to the table, just like. Yeah, this is the whole situation. Like, I do really kind of feel bad for him. Like you said, like just like like how everything's gone on with Philly, like from how the Jimmy Butler stuff went to how the Ben Simmons stuff went, and now you got this James Harden stuff. Like, it just seems like it's recycling guys in and out. Like, it's one of these new guys that comes in and just kind of messes things up. And so, like when you talk about guys that are on that list. You could definitely see him. Like, I can see why, you know, maybe somebody like in New York or somebody else is monitoring this this situation because at any moment, it can blow up. And then B could be on the block. Out of there, he requested a trade, which I would not be surprised to no. probably happen this year or next year. Yeah, like, it, it would happen pretty quick. Like, it, and I do wonder how the Sixers are going to be this season without Harden and, you know, Maxi. He's going to definitely have to see a lot more of the ball. He's going to see his usage rate oh. go up. Well, he dropped 31 against the Bucks tonight in a, a one-point loss. So, you know, maybe he hit another bucket or so, you know, they win that game. Yeah. So, you know, I think Maxie is definitely going to be getting his for the Sixers. I did want to ask you, though, Rhino. I, I say, you know, sometimes we do our pies. I don't want to be biased towards any team, so I feel like you know, another sleeper team or two more sleeper teams, you know. Well, like about the the Cavaliers, you know, I kind of, it's kind of like, you know, we were big on them being a dark horse and then they just fizzled out. Yeah. Know, against New York. Yeah. And they, you know, they went out when I really think they should have beat New York, but you know, hard and, and hard work and great defense, you know, that, that can trample any team with, you know, a superstar priority or any, you know, anything. But, you know, I'd say we should kind of keep an eye out for the Cavs as well as New York. Because I feel yeah. like New York is definitely a sleeper team. Oh, like, you know, they got, you know, they got the Villanova. You know, they got all that Villanova buddies back, <laughs> you know, back together, got the game back together, don't championship squads. You know, deep in San Diego, you know. Oh, Tony man. Brunson, you know, Archie Diacono. 
you know, it just keeps going. Josh Hart, they, yep. You know, I say Josh Hart. I think they got the whole squad together. I, you know what? Uh, I, I think New York's going to be fun, but, you know, yeah. they're just – I want to get on their respect, but, you know, it's, it's like – it seems like Milwaukee and, and Boston are just the juggernaut that – if you beat them, you you know you deserve to go to the finals. If you beat one of those teams, but and it, well, if you're in the Eastern Conference, but yeah, and I, I and it's just like, but it's just like Gold State and the Cavaliers again. Like it's kind of set in stone. Those are two teams we're seeing going to see battle out to get to the finals. Yeah, like the Cavs. So so they added Max Strauss and they added Niang. And we talk about the Bucks taking a little bit of dip in defense with losing Drew. Same thing might happen with the Cavs here by adding those two, but they do give them some versatility, some shooting on the outside, some player movement. That can really help them. You're definitely going to hope Evan Mobley takes another leap in year three, uh, which uh, you can definitely see. And then Donovan Mitchell and uh, Garland, that duo is explosive, and like you said, like in the playoffs, that that offensive firepower it fizzled out, and it's gonna ha- they're gonna have to step up not just in the regular season, but when they get to the postseason, and they will, they're gonna have to prove like, hey, we are not gonna do what we did last year. We're not a team that's gonna fizzle out. We are going to show why the we can score the ball, we can put the ball in the hoop, and you know, getting Strauss and Niang can definitely help out with. That spacing and with the Knicks, man, I gotta tell you what, I don't know how many guys were on that Bill Nova championship team, but I gotta imagine there's some Carolina guys that have some some traumatic memories from that experience, man, after what happened to them. You heard some Tar Heels fans uh, hearts, you know what I'm saying, man, on podcasts. <laughs> Ronald, that's like that's like a double-edged sword, man. You can't do them like that. Yeah, I I, I know it. <laughs> but um uh, I mean, yeah, the Knicks are definitely – I mean, they're a team that you can keep an eye on if the Embiid stuff goes sideways. But, I mean, you got Brunson. You saw what he did last year, an amazing, you know, leap and trajectory for him. You know what you got in Julius. And, yeah, you bring in all those uh, Villanova guys. One thing to note, they do have a lot of first-round picks, and they got uh, expiring in Fournier. So if they see somebody out there they like – whether it's an Embiid or whether it's a guy that can help them out now, they can go out and get him, and I think that can be very big for this team. And then you got Emmanuel quickly in the backcourt as well, Grimes. Like, they got a lot of guys that can play, and uh, we know what kind of coach Thibodeau is, that uh, he's going to ask all all the players on that team to give it 110% every night. And, uh, yeah, you can't count out the Knicks. Like, you can look at this Eastern Conference and say – them and the Cavs are right behind Boston and Milwaukee for the top two spots. And besides that, that of course, you got Philly and what they bring to the table. And we'll see what happens to them. And then you got Miami. And I think, you know, Miami, it, it is interesting with them. You know, it just seems like they always find a way, man. They always find a way. And yeah. – it's crazy. I was saying, you know, with Miami, it's just like, you know, even even though I wrote them out earlier when we first started, you know, started the podcast, I was like, but then again, it seemed like they always, when you down the most, they <laughs> say what they can't do, they tend to either get to the conference finals or make the finals. Yeah, it, it always seems like it. The moment. But they need it. 
they needed another star. Uh, I, I, if they would have, yeah, had another star, they could have gave Denver way more of a run. I just feel like Jimmy Butler was burnt out, which is kind of like the same thing happened to him again, like he did in the bubble. He had some big games, and then you know he just, you know, he had a couple games where he just was not, you know, just just wasn't it for him. It, yeah, and like you look at what the Heat, I mean, of course they lost Strauss and they lost Gabe Vincent. So you're going to have to count on a couple of new guys like Jaime Jaquez, who they drafted, Nikola Jovic, who they drafted a couple of years ago. You're, you're going to have to count on them. And, but we see how Miami is so good at developing these players. Like you said, you don't doubt them because they can develop these guys and to be really good players. Like you saw what they did with Strauss and Vincent. And they end up getting paid by the by the Lakers and by the Cavs pretty well. So yeah, we can doubt on the Heat, but we can do that at our own peril because they'll just listen to us and like, hey, we're going to make another finals run, and like we won't be shocked when it happens because it's like it's the Heat, it's that Heat culture. <laughs> and at this point, should we really be surprised if the Heat do manage to? You know, you know what I, think that back, I would be highly surprised if the Heat make it through the Celtics or the Bucks this year to get to back to the finals. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, with Jimmy, and with Jimmy Butler uh, balling again, man, I wouldn't even doubt the Heat every year. I'd be like, Heat just might make the finals this year. Will they win it? Eh, <laughs> just guaranteed that they'll probably get to the finals in the East. So let's, you know what? I'm going to say it, Rhino. Let's throw the Heat. Let's make the big three who would come out the East for sure. Let's do it. Milwaukee, <laughs> Boston, and Miami. Boy, Miami fans probably love this when they listen to this podcast. But, you know, hey, we're just showing respect. Hey, so we, we, we talked ourselves into the heat getting into the top three of this conference. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's a big feat in itself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I guess I got to look if there's anything else in the heat. You got in the East. You got Atlanta. And with them, like, you know, you mentioned Trey Young earlier on. Like, I don't know. Like, he he might be another guy. Like, if things start to go south, that could be a name to keep an eye on. Again, I just think a lot of these teams, you know, are in a tier besides himself in this Eastern Conference where Boston, Milwaukee, and now we can add Miami to it where, like, th- those teams, we know what to expect out of those teams. And the Cavs or the Knicks are right behind them, but and despite them being talented, they're a little less proven than those teams ahead of them. And then everybody else behind them are, are way less proven than those teams. So I think that's kind of like how the East is going to stack up. Is like it's probably it's going to be a variation of Milwaukee or Boston in the one-two spot. You got Miami somewhere in the top four. Then you got Cleveland and New York. And then you'll have maybe like Atlanta or Brooklyn or like you said, Indiana. Maybe Indy can sneak in and take a, a spot in the East playoffs. Uh, we'll have to see. Because like you said, Indy has got some pretty decent pieces with them. Uh, like And some really good pieces over there. Yeah. And I honestly think Tyrese Halliburton is going to definitely, uh, you know, he'll, he'll definitely take an even bigger jump. Yeah, like – He's done so well since being traded from Sacramento over there. It's insane. They signed Bruce Brown, who had a pretty good game in in his first game in the Pacers jersey. They got Toppin. Uh, they they just got Miles Turner. 
they just got a really solid group of guys, man. And I think they, like you said, can be a team that might sneak in into, you know, that play in scenario in the, in the Eastern conference, you know, Rick Carlisle, solid coach, exciting to see what's going to happen with Benedict Mathurin, uh, the guard for they took a couple years ago. Mathurin is going to be nice. If you have, you know, yes. you watch him play games, he'll be nice. And then, of course, you got Buddy Hill out there as well. It's just like and there's a really solid group of pieces here where, like, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if they make it to the East playoffs. If they're in that play-in scenario and they find their way into the playoffs as a seven or eight seed for sure. Uh, but, I mean, as far as the East, I mean, we know who the top teams are. And we know what kind of tiers they're separated in. Um, let's go to the West because I think the West is a little bit – it's a little bit kind of hard to gauge like because there's a lot of different teams, I think, that you can make a case for in seeing. Like you mentioned the Warriors potentially being a dark horse. Clippers maybe, if they get if they get their stuff right this year, they could be a team to watch. And, you know, they the Suns. Exactly. They got to stay healthy because uh, if you look at all the pieces they have, that's a really big contender. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you right now, you know, you know speaking of that, I, I remember arguing with a coworker last year talking about, you know, he thought that Chris Paul's Clippers with Blake Griffin was better than, you know, Paul George's and Kawhi's, you know, Kawhi's iteration of the Clippers. And I was like, this iteration is even more more talented, you know, than what, what Chris Paul had with Blake Griffin and, you know, DeAndre Jordan's high flying. You mean you had Jamal Crawford, you had J.J. Reddick. You know, those were solid pieces, but yeah. I just think the Clippers just had better iterations of teams that, you know, that you actually believed that, you know, if they were healthy, they could definitely win a championship. Yeah. Uh, I was like, and then I was like, this iteration even got to the conference finals. Chris Paul was never able to do that. You know, all that time, you know, with his Clippers. So I, I was like, that's that's well beyond me. Sorry, I went beyond the point on that, but I just wanted to ask you what what you even thought about that one. <clears throat> yeah, like I can I can kind of see that you know where the that version of the Clippers. I mean, I, I did see them firsthand do what they did to my Grizzlies in that one series, and it was it was just you know <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm I'm getting I'm giving myself flashbacks to that game one where we blew that gigantic lead and then the very next day I had to come back to school and deal with that. It's like, man, I just witnessed that and I had to come back here. Like, you know, it's like it was a bad twelve hours. It's like, man, that sucks. But I think, yeah, if it, this version of the Clippers, this team with Quad PG, like they're talented, but they just gotta prove it. They that's what they got to do. That yeah. other team, that other Clippers team, they proved that they could hang with some teams. Now, they didn't get it all very far, but they at least proved that they could be in some series and compete with some high-level teams. Clippers, we got to see it out of them. If they can stay healthy, then that's their chance to prove it. And if they're either not healthy or they get their chance and they don't prove it, then it's really going to hurt what – we think about this version of the Clippers for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a big point. And you know, one team I I, I didn't even think about in the West. Why we in the West? I forgot about the Dallas, but you know, people are still not you know sold on them. Kyrie and Luca would work. Honestly, gonna be great offense and great showing. But you know, it's like, uh, you know, can we see them actually winning? You know, winning together. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I have my questions about Dallas and but I mean I just take a look at this Western conference, like it is insanely loaded, you know. Man, it's a bloodbath. It's very hard to see the team in this conference that's gonna be like and that could get potentially to sixty wins, like maybe a, a Milwaukee or Boston Kane in the East. It's gonna be tough. I mean, like Nuggets, I think they are that they're the team they're I the think <laughs> Yeah. Like they're defending champs, give them their flowers. They're the top team in this conference, and they they are definitely going to be above fifty games. But it's just going to be hard, I think, for any team in the West to get anywhere close to, you know, sixty games. Like Nuggets are going to be over fifty. I, I think you can see the Suns get over fifty. You know, but I think what you're going to see a lot of is a lot of teams that are around that 45 win, 46, 47, 48, oh, yeah. that type of mark because like, team, it, know, they're just going to take each other out. And then, you know, think about all the, the good young teams. We got the Kings. Yeah. Thunder are definitely going to be – you know, I've seen some of my Thunder. And, I, you know, I love my Thunder. And I've seen something like <laughs> – uh, you know, like Bleach Report been sharing it. But, you know, a lot of people that just – you know, actually, you know, aren't even Thunder fans, but, you know, genuine NBA fans and stuff. You know, everybody's going ecstatic over the Thunder because, you know, we had so many young number one picks, you know, like, I mean, not number one picks, but, you know, young top lottery picks. And, you know, like this yeah. team won 40-some games last year when we were slated to only win 17. I never even forgot that. I remember that. I was like, dude, are they, are they, are they serious right now? Only 17 wins for my team? <laughs> But you know, it's like we we finally get Chet Holmgren back. Yeah, which is you Huge. know, which he, he, which in preseason, you know, he, he showed what he could do. Some people were underwhelmed about you know his performance against Chicago, and that was actually a decent performance. Same thing with Wimby. You know, we get to that in a minute, but, but you know, to my Thunder man, I we really don't surprise people because we have a thirty point per game score. Yeah, easily. You know, like, that's man. Diddy can give you at least eighteen to twenty points, and oh, let's say 10, 10 assists. Right. I think I think Jalen Williams, you know, he he's a rookie. He was a rookie of the year, like second and rookie of the year, bone last season. And then you know he he's a scorer and great defender, so you know he can he can average at least I'd say fifteen to eighteen points a game. Who knows? And then you know, like I say, Chet. I think Chet just gonna be big, you know, for his shot blocking and his shot making. For our center, you know, for our centers goals. So I, I feel like just with them, you know, them four pieces, and then like our bench, we had some nice pieces on there. Another thing, you know, we got we got one of the Euro League MVPs for like I want to say a season before last season. You know, like we're loaded top to bottom. I I like what my Thunder got. I say we get to about fifty wins this year, Rhino. I mean, close. You know, as long as we stay healthy, but you know that that's not far fetched to think because we were already giving team plenty of teams, you know, runs and fits last year. Even being top teams, yeah, like it, it's if that young talent can stay healthy and they learn to play together. I think that's the key part. They learn to play together, build up that chemistry. Now that you got Chet in the mix, that happens. That's going to be huge. In fact, like that could be like if you remember my Grizzlies a couple years back, where they were kind of ahead of schedule with yeah. how they were developing. That could be y'all this year if if everybody just stays healthy. And it's on the court together, and you got those four guys out there. Plus, you got your fifth man. Like that can be that can be huge if they really start to gel as a unit and learn how to play together. Because, like you said, Shea, 
a guy that can give you buckets. Giddy is a guy that, if you don't watch out, could, you know, toss a double-double on you and just, like, be an ultimate assist man. And, like, Jalen Williams, amazing. And then Chet adds that length inside the paint. Like, it's very easily conceivable. Like, yes, like, y'all if y'all stay healthy, y'all can take the leap this year. Y'all can be the team that's ahead of schedule and have all those picks at your disposal that in case maybe one of these guys is disgruntled, maybe Embiid or maybe it's somebody else. But that one star that's going to be disgruntled says, hey, I see what OKC is building here. I see how good Shea is. I see how good Giddy is. And you might have to trade one of those young guys that's really good. But you're like – Not even – you know, not necessarily even that. We had so many drop picks and so many good pieces on our bench, you know. Yeah, with exactly. Veterans. So, it, I don't think it would – we wouldn't even have to trade any of the – you know, i say the core four or five. You know, like I, I honestly, you know, see that we probably wouldn't even have to trade that. We could throw a lot of bench pieces and a lot of, a lot of picks in the trade. It's like, you know, we don't – like – I know the Thunder for a fact. They don't have to worry about, you know, not going out there getting what they want, you know, as far as trades involved, you know, or getting over that hump again, another superstar there. Yeah. But uh, I, personally, I would feel like, I would feel like SGA, Giddy, and Chet are, you know, possibly un- untouchable. You know, like, I, I feel like those three would be untouchable. And then, you know, everybody, anybody else could probably be involved in the trade, plus added with picks. And that, that would definitely, you know, get you a high-profile star or superstar, in my honest opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess, you know, since we spent some time on your team, I guess it's fitting that we talk a little bit about my team since we're at this oh, point, yeah. I guess. De- definitely, definitely. Uh, man, uh, where to start? Uh, I honestly don't know where to start. I mean, of course, you, you got – I will, I will for you, Rhino. Yeah. Tell you, you know, going to the game last night, it was just instances where I was watching, you know, I was watching them against the Pelicans. And, you know, like I said, I hate Stephen Adams has to have a season and surgery. Yeah. That sucks big time. Because, you know, like, y- y'all going to need Steve-O. Like, like, with the way the Pelicans was attacking the rim, they won't be the only team, you know, that's just going to – or out-rebound your Grizzlies. Yeah. And, you know, second of all, man, John Moran would have definitely been – that job would have definitely been nice to have last night, especially against teams, yeah. you, know, like to the, you know, the Pelicans or whoever. That's why, like, these 25 games are going to hurt y'all more. Even though y'all won in the, you know, won in the past way more without Ja, y'all, it's still kind of not the same pieces around. Which mm. I think Ty Jones was so big for y'all, which I, I still think is like, man, you know, that's kind of big for Memphis not having them, but... I mean, I, it, it sucks that, you know, y'all not going to have a job for these first 25, 24 games now. Yeah. I think the thing that really kind of takes me off about the Steven Adams stuff is, like, how, like, it, it feels like they weren't really transparent about, like, what was going on with him ever since his injury happened. And just, like, yeah. it felt very weird. And then we get to this point, like, he's done for the season. It's like, well, what is going on here? <laughs> like yeah yeah they, yeah you're right about that because yeah but yeah that definitely hurts i think well <laughs> listen, hey, nothing like going against valentunas and the joker in the first two games will make you realize you need a big man more than going and facing against those two big guys uh <laughs> like uh well be, i'm sorry to say but lb gonna be feasting yeah 
Um, yeah, you're definitely going to need somebody, especially these first two games. You're going to learn quick. We need to get somebody. And uh, I'm uh, curious to see uh, who they uh, target. And one thing that's helpful for them, they, they got a couple pieces they can trade, and they own all their first-round picks too. So that can be uh, that can be very big for them if they're uh, looking to get a big man. And, you know, I hate to say it, like, I can't believe I turned to a Steven Adams fan after uh, what happened with OKC in Memphis all those years ago. But I, I do feel like, you know, maybe after this season, it, it would be best to find a long-term replacement. And maybe that's what they go out and find is like a long-term replacement. But it's definitely going to hurt on the inside. And I think Jaron is going to play a big part. He's, I think he and Zaire are probably two X factors for them. And I'll get to them in a minute. But, yeah, the jaw thing, not having him out there for the first 25 games is definitely going to hurt. And, like, you bring up a good point. Like, yeah, we've been fine without him for some of those games, but some of those pieces are gone now. And you're going to rely on some of those pieces now and uh, see what you get out of them. Like Marcus Smart, you're going to to get some minutes out. Derek Rose, see how good he is now. Uh, Desmond Bain going to see a lot more ball handling responsibilities and uh, it's, I'm really curious to see how they play without Ja. I mean, I do. I think they can win uh, several of these games without Ja. I think so because I think Bain, awesome player. Jaron, awesome player. Then like they got some good players up there, but they're they're already hurting without some of these guys. But Ja being out, then you got Steven out. Brandon Clark, I hate it for the guy. It looks like he might not be playing the this whole season. Um, then you got Luke Kennard who's going to be out. Of the Denver game uh, on, on Friday, so oh man, he, he's got a concussion. So it's not it's not like it's not like a big time thing. I mean, a concussion is still a big time thing, but um, yeah, yeah. So like, it's gonna be hurting, but I do think they can win some of those games. I think if they can just ride these twenty five games and just you know you'll you know you'll have some losses. And you'll know you'll get a few wins. Maybe you get to close around 500 or something like that in the first 25 games or close to that. And then you get Ja back. I'll tell you what, man. I think Ja, and honestly, I think this whole team has been hearing all this stuff about what's been said about them. Like, I think after what happened in the Lakers series, and then you got Jaron, which I think it was good experience with him playing on Team USA, but you heard all the talk about him and, some of it's warranted with this rebounding stuff, but I think he's heard all the talk. And then you got all this jaw stuff that's popping off. And, you know, I think they're, you know, a team like Miami without the, you know, championship pedigree right now. And that how do these Memphis teams play well? How, think back to the grit and grind days. They play well when they go in dark mode, they work in the dark, and everybody's doubting them. And I definitely feel like they're taking that energy this year. And uh, and Jaw is definitely going to go off. I mean, I can't definitely kind of feel about it. Maybe it has something to do with Tony Allen narrating the, the hype video. Uh, maybe that's just me. But I I think Jaw's going to come back with the vengeance. I think he is going to be uh, good this year. He's I think he's ready to pop off. And then we'll just see how the team takes off from there. I'm excited to see how he'll look out there on the court with Marcus Smart, which, uh, I mean, no better guy to wear a Grizzly jersey in the league, probably. I mean, there's a couple guys than Marcus Smart. And Bajaran and Zaire, going back to them, 
Jaron's going to be key, especially if the whole big man situation doesn't get resolved. He's going to be counting to rebound more. We saw glimpses of what he can do on the offensive end last year. It's just that making that consistent. And I think Zaire, I think it's going he's it's a big thing for him. He's an X factor because last year something was off. No confidence whatsoever. He had an injury and was completely different from what we saw in year one. But now I think he since that he's won this kind of wing competition that they've had. I he's looked a lot more confident, looks more like what we saw in year one. And if he can just take last night as well. No, that's good. I was wondering because, you know, there's a like he didn't play in summer league and like how good is he to go? And I think just hearing the reports that he looks more confident and seeing that come out in preseason, seeing that in the first regular season game, I think that's actually really positive if you're a Grizzly fan, seeing him come out confident because last year it just looked like a shell of what he was in his first year. But if he can take a little bit of a leap, can uh, get some more playmaking abilities, can shoot the ball a little bit better. I think that can really go a long way for this Grizzlies team. So, I mean, I'm looking at where they fit in the East, or not the East, the West. I mean, it, it all does depend on where they fit in in those first 25 games without jaw. Like, I still think they'll be in the playoffs, for sure. Like, it, I, I think they will, but it's going to be tough. Like it is not going to be easy. Like we we talked about how tough the West was at the top for a reason. Um, it's just gonna be tough. And and you know, as as it goes to say, wins are gonna be important. Like, you know, they're always important, but I feel like this year is gonna be extremely important in the West, as it always is, but it it just feels like this year you gotta be on your P's and Q's. Because you could be in and out just like that. Like, I won't be surprised. We see teams that we were accustomed to making it, you know, miss again this year. Uh, man, this West going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at some of these other teams. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the Kings earlier. I mean, last year they were a surprise team with how well they played. Uh, yeah. You, you got to give a lot of credit to what Mike Brown did with that team. And, you know, they kind of, you know, had their weaknesses shown up uh, when they went out in the playoffs last year. But I think they got some really good pieces. Murray, he's an amazing piece out there. Sabonis, awesome player. De'Aaron Fox, awesome player. I think if they can capitalize off of last year and take a step up, man, they could be a top four team in this conference for sure. If you don't watch out, um, oh yeah, uh, it's just a, I forgot about. I, I I ain't gonna say I forgot. I just don't want to put them in that dark horse category because I still think they're maybe a few years removed before they could. You know, like we just see them as a playoff team, but you know, I I can't see them win the championship just yet. Yeah, I I can't either. But I mean, you can you can kind of see the vision here a little bit with them like besides those guys you got at the top there i mean you got monk who's a solid player herder is a is a really solid player for them so like they got some pieces there and you can kind of see the vision like with how they played last year and then i was gonna say that core has been together for a good little while so yeah you know, just like denver they can keep building up and uh going I think if I remember right, you know, that lineup that they started with for most of the season, they they played in every game. 
Um, they yeah. started every game. So, like, like you said, that continuity is huge for them going into this season and building off of that. And then you take a look at other teams in that division with the Kings. I mean, you got the Lakers and with all the pieces that they've added in the offseason. And you saw what happened the first game where LeBron played like 28, 30 minutes and AD completely no-showed in the second half. I think this yeah. is kind of what the, the Lakers are kind of wanting to see this season is LeBron's minutes, maybe not playing as much, but seeing AD really take full ownership of this team because LeBron can't do it forever. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, and as long as LeBron has been playing, you know, like you can not to longevity, whatever, you know, whatever we say, what, you know, whatever we think, you know, but the longevity is just he, you know, he's older and like, and when is that flame really gonna start to, you know, dwindle, really start to fade out? Yeah, because he, <laughs> it's already been instances like plenty of instances where you know, like he just looks older out there, which obviously does he's older. But you know, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah. saying his game has, to, you know, they're saying you know his game it has it has been slow and stuff. I'm like, are people really not? You know, not saying that you know he, he's looking old out there. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you're, you're 21 now. Which I mean, it's incredible that we're, that it, <laughs> 21 years later. Know, but, but bottom, but bottom line, AD gonna have to you know take the reins. Yes, he's got to. He got, he got, he, he has to, he has to, and you know it's yet to be seen. Yeah, and you know, game one. He's definitely going to need to show up in the second half like that. In the first half, he did really well. He had like 17 points, and then the second half just like did nothing. Um, So, like, you can't have that, and you can't count on LeBron to consistently play a lot of minutes and contribute. LeBron's even – I think he's on a minute restriction anyway. Yeah, the, right the, the 28 to well, 30 that, minutes, yeah. That, if, if that doesn't tell anybody anything, you know, that he's older, LeBron on minute restrictions with, no, you know, no injuries or nothing. That should tell you something. Mm, yeah. Um. Let's see. Who else is out there? Uh. We we talked about your your Clippers a little bit. You know. And yeah. Yeah. With the Clippers at this point, you know, it's just them being healthy. Yeah. So we saw we saw what they could have been. You know, after the Westbrook trade and definitely in the playoffs, how they were giving the Suns to the you know to the run, which you know, like me and you both agree that if Kawhi probably plays that whole series, they probably beat the Suns. Especially, I think they really beat the, you know, would have beat the Suns, you know, with PG and Kawhi. But, you know, that's, you know, that's where it is, and, you know, that we'll never know. But, yeah. Uh, it, it, with the Clippers, it, it, it's legit hell. <laughs> yeah. That'd be- legit. It, it feels like uh it feels honestly like a broken record these last couple years, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you didn't think about it, right? It's been now five years, you know, since they've been in LA together. Yeah. And all they have is one <laughs> bubble choke job, and then you know, the one co- conference final without Kawhi, and then other than that, they make the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, injuries, injuries. So yeah, <laughs> very underwhelming for what everybody hyped, hyped, hyped it up to be with that duel. <laughs> you know, I, one 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 team I think we didn't talk about though, right? Know with all the buzz was the Spurs. Oh man, I was I was going to save them. I was going to go through some of the playoff teams that I think that are. Oh okay, okay, okay. But I uh, I, I, 
Can't believe against Spurs. I, I definitely want to talk about the Spurs a little bit with uh with the Wimby for a little bit. I, I definitely had that in mind. I was just you know let's let's get to the playoff teams and let's go talk about Wimby a little bit. Yeah, I think you know sticking in that in that uh division with the the other team, the last team. Uh, well, actually no, still got to talk about the Suns, but uh Golden State. I think a couple things with them that uh, come to me off the top of my mind is. You know, once Draymond is healthy, once he's good to go, what's the lineups going to look like for Steve Kerr? Like, what kind of lineup configurations are you going to see now that CP3 is there? And actually, I'll add another one. And I think it was like, I forget. I think one of the TNT guys brought up last night, or somebody did, uh, you know, Chris Paul with how you nor- he normally brings up the ball, spends like 10 seconds, and then you know, gets the offense going. And it's like, that's not how Golden State's offense works normally. So how is he going to get adjusted there? And I think one of those young guys, I think, has to emerge in order to really kind of figure out how to hammer home a finishing lineup now that CP3 is there. Somebody like Moody, and I think they're really hoping that Kaminga is that guy. Well, if you've been, if you've been, I don't know, runner, if you've been watching any Golden State games, Moody and Kaminga have been balling. Yes, I think they take. I really think they take the jump, especially Kaminga. But I, I think they both take that jump for Golden State. My only thing with Golden State is we believe in the shooting, and we know they can get it done because we seen them get it done. Yes, but you know that they're, they're obviously you know getting older, and it's how long will they have left in the tank? Even though you know, as we praise you know LeBron for the longevity. Looking at guys like Steph and Clay, well, I say Steph, you know, Steph been in, in there at least 15. I think this might be Steph's 16th season. Man. Same for KD. If uh, I think I think they're both in year 16. And look how good they're playing. I, you can see them playing their game, you know, playing flawlessly for at least another four years. Them getting to year 20 or 21 like LeBron. You know, so, you know, as, you know, as we hyped up and, you know, praise LeBron's longevity. I feel like we need to talk about their longevity because they're still playing at a very unique high level. Yeah. No how you look at it. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy thing. Stealth is now 30, 36. Man. <laughs> man. Oh. He is 35, 36, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Westbrook about 34, 35. He will, or he will be turning 35 this year. Man, you saying all those ages out loud just kind of made me feel really yeah, old for a second. They are. <laughs> they are. So when we were seeing them playing 10, 12 years ago. Man. Like when we were in our high school youth days. Man, yeah, like I'm I'm thinking back to like how good Steph and the Warriors have been. Like I think back like, man, it's almost about 10 years since, you know, the Warriors and Steph and Clay they and Draymond, they really took that leap. It's been about 10 years. I think, you know, the 24-25 the season, I think it'll be about 10 years. And, like, Ryan, how do you remember this? Like, well, I remember it because it was us and Golden State, and we were two of the better teams in the West, and they had that fun second-round matchup. That's how I remember. But, yeah, man, oh, man saying those ages out loud just kind of, like, brought me back. It's like, man, that's a long time that's passing. Like, yeah. Man, we're old. It's yeah, we, we've been we've been spoiled with basketball greatness. <laughs> it, it's it feels like we have one of those moments in every pod we do. Is like, oh man, we're we're getting up there, man. 
Oh man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, look, right now I'm 28. I think you're 27 or turning 28. Yeah, I'm 28 right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, we both 28. We'll be in our 30s soon, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting old just along uh, you know, with, with everybody. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that we actually got to enjoy and witness this because you know, 20 years from now, 20, 25 years from now. There are going to be some other great players that come along, you know, that challenge, you know, what guys that we got to see, like, you know, yes. be somebody coming through saying they, it's, they the new GOAT. They better than Michael Jordan, you know, uh, better, you know, than they whole, you know, LeBron's going to be a better shooter, somebody, a better shooter than Kerry, or, man, you know, you're going to be having little kids. Man, this guy's better than Kerry. But, you know, I think <laughs> we just all prisoners of the moment in the areas we get to grow up in. Because, you know, we get to see these guys play. You know, that's why we going to think it's nuts in, like, the next 20, 25 years, say, so much better shooter than Kerry. They might oh, have man. some records to back, you know, they might have some records and stats to back it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to see it, which, you know, it kind of throws, like, the biggest monkey wrench. And, you know, when there are people want to do a GOAT debate, even though I I still believe Michael Jordan is the GOAT, even though I, even though I honestly didn't get to see him playing, you know, in, in his heyday during this rain or his peak, right? But, you know, it's like we don't get that, you know, we didn't get that luxury, which is why, you know, we can't be mad because our generation and, you know, with, with all the exposure that they have from, you know, social media, just media in general, you know, they really put, you know, put put out there with their brands, like a plenty of players. But, you know, it's like, it's like the areas that we grow up in, we get to watch. That's why our opinion's going to be there, like, Little kids, they will never know. I mean, they'll know because, you know, they can hear about it, but they didn't get to see it. You know, they didn't get to grow up seeing how great Michael Jordan really was. Just like yeah. kids in the future, won't they won't get to grow up to see how great LeBron, Steph Curry, KD really is. And it's going to be nuts when, you know, we're probably sitting there telling a, a little kid or a young teenager, hey, man, <laughs> this dude not better than LeBron. This dude not better than Curry. This guy's definitely not bearing the KD, and they just don't want to argue down with us, you know. Like, man, look what he's doing. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about. <laughs> well, hey, man, that time is going to be here before we know it. it it's going to be oh, here yeah, in the blink of an eye. Um, and, you know, and you know, LeBron's time is really over with. Everybody knows it. It's coming. You know, people don't want to accept it, but you know, it, it, it's knocking on the door. Yeah. Let's talk about the Suns real quick because I think they're probably the other team besides Denver out west. I think can really give those top two teams in the East a run for their money. And you know the Bill edition was a huge one. And of course they get involved in that three team trade. They trade Aiden. They get Nurkic. Um, and, you know it, the whole Aiden stuff really hasn't. It, it's felt off the last couple of years. Hadn't felt right. And so now they get a little bit of a change here. I I like the depth that they brought up. Like they got some pretty good depth pieces to a team that has a big three. Oh yeah, they. I'm looking at them right now playing the Lakers. They're obviously a ten. Uh, right now, look, you know, you know, uh, looking at them right now, man, they they have a pretty nice bench in my opinion. So yeah, they they got a nice bench to complement, you know, to complement their big three, like you just said, man. Yeah, I mean, I think we take a look at past big threes and we can talk about, you know, the death has been an issue because you're paying those guys an enormous amount of money. And you say, like, well, one, it's one thing that's going to take hit. Well, uh, your bench, your death, quality death pieces. 
that can really help you guys get a title. You know, it's sure it's, having those three guys are a huge reason why you get to that point, but having those pieces on the bench, having those pieces on deck that can give you a good 10 to 15 minutes while those guys are on the bench, that's huge. And that's what can win you a title. And you look at the pieces they added, it's a really solid group that they put together. Uh, Eric Gordon, you got a, a Kogi that's really taking a step up. Uh, my guy, Yuta Watanabe, who was with the Memphis Hustle years ago, uh, it was really good to see him get uh, get some, you know, shine with this bench unit. But And then you get Nurkic filling in that role at center now, which I do kind of like the fit a little bit more. He hits the boards a lot more than I think probably Aiden would and did in his time at Phoenix. And I think he can play, you know, solid both ways. He's not going to be asked to do a whole lot. Um, and then, of course, you got your big three in Bill and Booker and KD. I just want to see how the offense is going to look like with all three of them this season. I think that's going to be the key thing to watch and just see uh, how it flows. And uh, I'm really excited to see it. Um, I don't think there's not now person on this earth isn't, you know, ready to see how the Suns do. You know, 2K disrespects them all the time. Okay, for whatever reason, they don't want them to make the playoffs, which we know is bonkers. You know, bearing <laughs> any injuries. <laughs> so, yeah, they, 2K, you got to fix your game. But yeah. Besides <laughs> that point, uh, right now we got – I say we got to talk about Wimby and us first. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's talk about them. I mean, th- we did have the Pelicans, but you saw Pelicans the other, last night, and, and, you know, they look pretty good. Good to see Zion back on the floor. Looks like he's fully healthy, ready to go. That's good for the league. Um, but what's also good for the league is having a guy like Wimby finally in it. It seems like we've been talking about him for uh, a year now, and here he is finally in the NBA playing in his first uh, NBA game. What do you think about Wimby in this first game? Well, you want to know for starters, he had the exact same stat line from field goal makes to field goal percentage to points in rebounds is Tim Duncan in his uh, debut. That is the most, crazy. The thing does, Wimby did his in, in 20 minutes, like 20, 29 minutes or 20-something minutes while Tim played like 39 or, or high 30-some minutes doing his debut for the same stat line. It's just Wimby got in foul trouble. And uh, yeah. I didn't get to watch the game. I seen all the highlights and everything. And uh, from what I take from it, from, you know, I've looked in the comment sections on some of the YouTube videos and obviously Bleacher Report House highlights as well. They were saying that it was like the, like the Spurs were icing them out on the game. But, you know, if you actually watch the highlights, you can see some plays where, like, oh, man, that should have went to Wimby. Or you got definitely, you know, because like the Spurs, they run a motion offense, but at times they can't run through certain players. Pop has done that too. So, yeah, you know, people are like, it was like players were looking off Wimby. And, you know, he should have got more touches because he was like six of – I think he was like six or seven or nine, something like that. Yeah, and like – It's like – Yeah. Like he went on a um, – my bad. It, it was like he went – he had an 8-0 run in the fourth when he finally came back in. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, and like they, the Spurs – but a lot of people saying, like, the Spurs, they need to let him get a single touch and go to him during the last 150. And they mm. were up like 119 to 118, and Wimby didn't get to touch the ball again. Yeah. So I was like, maybe Pop will address that, and the media has been talking about it, you know. But, you know, as far as this debut go, that was a decent, uh, you know, that was a that was a very decent performance for Wimby despite the foul trouble. 
especially with the little eight eight oh run he had at the at the fourth quarter. Yeah, clutch minutes is just. I, I believe Wimby gonna be a a, a high twenties to thirty point score in his first year. And his game, like to me, his game is already way more polished than he was even during the preseason. Because you know it's like preseason, he had the jitters. You know, even though he only played two games. Well, I'm thinking about summer league, but in the preseason, you know, he looked like he was, you know, more um, more comfortable. But now you can see it in the games more comfortable. I think the only thing with him is you know staying out of foul trouble, which probably gonna be tricky at first, but I think he'll get it. Like we say, we know he's going to be elite defensively, and his offense already looks super duper polished. Like stuff yeah. he was doing last night, the dribbling to the to the scoring, it was all natural. He looked kind of like a bigger KD out there. So I think he's going to fit in flawlessly. But, you know, I think I think it's going to be flawlessly. I like, I, and then I want to say I like what the Spurs, what Pop did with the lineup, because you know they don't have a true point guard. You know, besides Trey Jones, they start so trying. So or so hand at the you know at the point guard spot, I think that's good. Let him be that point four role. You know, probably a nod to Boris Diaw. You know, being six nine power forward. <laughs> oh man! Point guard. But, yeah. but you know, I, I I like that for him. And then you know, Devin Vassell is a player that just drastically yeah. improved for the Spurs. Like, yes. if you don't watch him or you know, it's not media coverage on Spurs like that because you know they're a little bit of smaller market, but. Devin Vassell is the real deal. If anything, he's been proving it, you know, the preseason and then even just last night's game against Dallas. Like, I think he's going to be big for him. Kelvin Johnson, you know, he's nice. He came off a little bit of an injury, so, you know, you got to come back in. But I like that lineup. And then, you know, playing Wimby at the four, leaving Collins at the five. Plus, they bench pieces. I, I feel like Spurs could surprise a lot of people. We probably make, could go for, you know, a role in the play-in. I won't give him the playoff off of, you know, Wimby's first, you know, sniff, sniff for this season. But, yeah. But, you know, and if they do make the playoffs, then Wimby is just that deal. Because, <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, Charles, you delivered on a couple things I did not expect. One, that stat with Wimby and Tim Duncan's first game, that actually kind of blew my mind for a little bit. It's like, that's actually crazy. <laughs> Um, and then the second one, a Boris Diaw reference. What a time to be alive, man. <laughs> oh man. I hadn't heard that name in a long time, but, uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned like a lot of those pieces with the, with the Spurs, like Keldon Johnson, nice, solid player. Vassell is a nice player. So I think that's a really good role for him. Like you mentioned, like him bringing the ball up, be that kind of point forward Trey Jones. He's a solid guy off the bench if that's going to be the role that they're going to use him for. You got Osmond as well, Malachi Branham coming off the bench. Yeah. You know, uh, Pop's got some guys here that he can he, he can work some magic with, and there's a reason he signed that extension. You know. Oh, yeah, but don't he always do that with the Spurs? Like yeah. The Spurs take players that you don't even know about or hear about with Buzz, and they just somehow, boom, you know, like they're they're gonna be great for the Spurs, but like they boom playing for other teams. Yes, it's like Derek White on the Celtics. People are like, where'd this dude come from? Like Derek White had been doing this prior to you know before that trade or what uh, or whatever you know going to the Celtics. It's just you know, like I said, the media coverage on the Spurs versus like like a Celtics or Lakers. You know, it's not there, even though we know it should be. But you know, with Wimby obviously being there, they're gonna be covered in the media. But uh, I, I want to go over this right now. So Wimby had 15 points, two assists, six or nine field goals. Man. 15, two on six and nine. 
It's, 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 it's wow, that's a wild stat line for none of both had it. it yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, man, Wimby only played 23 minutes and Tim played 35. <laughs> so let that sink in. <laughs> Wimby in foul trouble. Wimby don't get in foul trouble. He probably, he probably scores at least 20 to 25 points easily. Uh, I think let's get the wrapping up here. Let, let's make some uh, with the Bucks, I think it's going to be Bucks and Nuggets. I think it's going to be the top two teams in the conferences, and I think that series that goes seven. I think the Bucks end up winning that one. Who is? What's your final prediction? Uh, uh, I think it's either that one or the Celtics in in Nuggets. But like I say, Clippers are a major dark horse, as well as Golden State. And then, like I say, uh, looking at that, like looking how to, at the Lakers, I just don't. You know, like, I, I just really don't feel like this Lakers team is going to be any better than what they had last year. Just my opinion. That's yet to be seen. I can't really think of anybody else in the West. Uh, like I say, Kings still far removed, no matter if they go farther. Golden State always a dark horse. Um, okay. That's about that's about it in the West for me as far as contenders go. I'm really looking at, and the Clippers, you know, they're big. If, you know, they're a big question mark on health, but I think, like I said, I feel like they might end up finally getting blessed to be healthy a whole year through. But, you know, I, I, I look at either Clippers or them to come out the West, as well as you said, the Suns. Honestly, can't forget the Suns. Yeah. You know, long, long is healthy. But, you, you know, like, though, I, I, I'm at least picking up three. Stroke going State at the fourth. Those are like the top four I can see make the finals right now. Just, you know, going off what we got going into the season right now. Yeah. But, but like you said, it's, gone. it's probably – might be Denver and either Milwaukee or, or Boston. Yeah, I, I think that's – if you had to pick, pick some finals matchups, I think those are probably like – yeah, we, we feel comfortable about picking those. And then yet yeah, you might have the Suns pop in a couple times for some predictions. But I think it, it, Nuggets are coming out the West, and it's going to be either Boston or Milwaukee that's going to be doing it. And uh, we're going to be in for – if that happens, we're going to be in for a really fun Eastern Conference Finals and in for a fun NBA Finals, man. Oh, man. Like, it, it's going to be a – we're going to be in for a fun season. A lot of fun storylines that we're going to keep an eye on for sure. Especially we're going to keep an eye on what's going on with our teams and, and see how they're doing. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun season, man. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. And – uh as always, it's fun talking about it with you, man. Uh, it seems like oh, yeah. we always have fun doing this preview every year, and uh, this year's no different. And uh, excited to talk some more hoops with you down the road and see how this season uh, goes. For sure, for sure. So the NBA season 2023 and through 2024. Let's see what predictions we get right and wrong this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh... I know an injury, an injury here, there, and. Yeah, basically ruin everything. Yeah, we we talking about the we talking about the Denver, Denver and versus the Bucks and Celtics, you know, and it could end up being my Thunder. It could be end up being my Thunder in in, in Miami. No. <laughs> hey, hey, let's run it back from uh, what a decade ago, except yeah. differently. Let's Thunder and Heat, but in, in way different versions. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but hopefully my Thunder comes out on top. But then again, I don't want to see Jimmy Butler lose the third final. And it was tough for my Thunder to lose 
another finals and be 0-2 in the finals. But, you know. Yeah. But, you know, if we could get to the finals, that means we way ahead of schedule. Yeah. Yeah, now that you mentioned that scenario, that's a lose-lose right there. See Jimmy lose for a third time. See OKC lose for a second time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a basketball fan, that's kind of (laughs) tough. Hey, sometimes you you have those lose-lose scenarios in that case, and you can't avoid them. But, uh, if hey, if if that happens, at least somebody's going to come out on top. Maybe it's your team. Maybe it's Jimmy finally getting a ring. So uh, we'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, guys, that will do it for this edition of our NBA preview, and that will do it for this edition of the show. Uh, Thank you all so much for tuning in. Again, be sure to go check us out on all podcasting platforms. Go subscribe if you haven't yet. Be sure to go check us out on social media at 573pods on X, and be sure to go check out the YouTube channel at 573podcasts. Be sure to go give us a a like, share with your friends, subscribe, and all the other YouTube stuff. But that'll do it for us here, everybody. Hopefully you guys have as much fun with the NBA season as we will. And we'll be back next week and talking some World Series. We got to see where that's going. And we're going to be taking a look at what happened this upcoming weekend in football. So till then, everybody, have a good weekend. And we will talk to you next time.